With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, friends. Welcome once again to the Tennis in 10 podcast. This is Ed McGrogan here to look at the U.S. Open. We're down to the two remaining matches, the men's final, the women's final. Carolina Pliska versus Anjali Kerber on Saturday. And on Sunday, you'll have Novak Djokovic against Stan Wawrinka for the two titles. Before we get into those finals, I do want to mention some other stories that we've uh, published on Tennis.com that I think you would certainly be interested in and I would advise you to read. Um, There is a very interesting story on the life of tennis photographers and what they go through and the challenge that that consumes their job at, at a Grand Slam tournament especially to capture the images that you see on your stories, on your devices. Um, Steve Tigner put this piece together, and it's one that I would really recommend you check out. That's going up on Saturday. And on Sunday, which of course is September 11th, um, they are now 15 years removed from the tragic events of that day. Uh, We have a a special piece as well um, that will look at uh, the Freedom Tower, actually, and um, you know thoughts of it from a perspective of the U.S. Open um, in New York City, of course. So both those pieces, I, I do really hope you check out. Um, and you know, on that, you know, I think we should get right to the tennis. Um, down to, of course, just four players left. Um, we found out the two men today, based on Novak Djokovic's. Um, very perplexing win over Gal Monfils. You know, I I did not write this match. I wrote the next match, and I was very thankful that I was not assigned to write this one. This this was not an easy one to sum up into words. Um, I think the commentators had trouble with it. I think the fans had trouble with it, and certainly the players did. Given the humidity that we saw today in Queens. That also affected Vavrinka Nishikori later, but it really seemed to throw off um, Monfils especially, but also Djokovic, who at so many points in this match seemed capable of just of running away with it. And then for whatever, for whatever strange magic that Monfils can weave, and, and he does this more often at major tournaments than in minor events too. He, he saves it for the best of five set matches, and... I think that if best of five set play in the men's ever goes away and goes to best of three, which we'll save it for another time, but I am being convinced of that, that it's the right move to do. Um, I think someone like Monfils will be most affected. He, he thrives off of really the endless nature of the game. And he, at, at, you know, at a time actually looked to be in 
he was nearing a, a, a break sir, a break of serve lead in the fourth set after just looking completely inept, drawing boos from the crowd for his um, perceived lack of effort. And, and Djokovic, um, you know, seemingly on his way to another victory. You know, he does get the win in four sets. And, you know, even after six matches, what you know, what do we know about Djokovic altogether? I, I posed the question during this match on Twitter you know, given the, in terms of exertion from Djokovic, um, and this is of course when, when Monfils was really not playing well, you know, where does this rank among his six matches? Um, it, it was that lopsided for a while. By the end though, you know, both players were kind of stumbling around. Djokovic was more than happy to get off this court in four sets. Um, it was not a pleasant day. I feel like for either man, we we didn't see great tennis. Um, it was not a it was not a good match. Period. Uh, it may have been sort of dramatic in a perverse way, um, given some of just the strange back and forth that happened. Um, but boy, that was a it was is not one that that's going to be saved in the canon of tennis. That's for sure. And you know we followed that match up with with a, a much more well-played one, sort of a, you know, a strange one too if you really kind of watch it between Vavrinka and Nishikori. Another match where neither player seemingly was able to pull away from the other, um, but over time, slowly and steadily, you saw that Vavrinka was the more powerful player, the more dangerous player, um, and Nishikori eventually, I think, did wear down from that. I think the conditions may have affected him a little bit more than Vavrinka. You know, by the end, this was one-way traffic. The second and third sets were really where this match was decided. You had um, you had two, you had six total break points for Nishikori in um, a span of two service games, uh, two return games. Excuse me. He was not able to convert any of those. Uh, you know, he would go on to rue that because Vavrinka would take the set. And the third set, you had a very pivotal 30-all point, I believe, at 4-4, um, with, again, Nishikori returning. And, again, you know, it was Vavrinka who was able to, to, to snuff out that, you know, that break point opportunity. He, you know, simply put, played the bigger points best, and, you know, that's, that mm. that's sort of emblematic of Vavrinka kind of overall in a sense where I still you know he's number three in the world he he's he's a mainstay now in the top five he still never comes across to me as, as a as a consistent all-around threat no matter what but I've always felt that the deeper in the draw that Vavrinka progresses the, the best the better you're going to see out of him and for that reason I, it's a tough final to call with Djokovic um but I, I do think that, you know, if Djokovic has made it this far, and, and I don't think we've seen one great performance out of him, you know, don't you at a certain point feel like that performance has to come around? And the Djokovic that we've known for so long and so many portions of this year is bound to come out at this point, you know, unless he truly is not at 100% health, which, you know, certainly anybody could be at this point in the tennis season. I have to believe that we're going to see the Djokovic that more closely resembles um, the player we know. Um, Vavrinka, you know, 
he the fitness with him I actually love the way he has built himself up into just a power player that is gonna have to be worn down with with really some great shot making but I do think Djokovic is up for it and I think Djokovic will win his 13th Grand Slam title at the Open on Sunday now for Saturday's match between Kerber and Carolina Pliskova who comes off her win over Serena Williams you know, you have another, you, you have a great, great contrast in this match between, um, you know, a flat hitter, a aggressive player, a great server in Pliskova against a fantastic defender, counter puncher, um, you know, all court player, you know, in, um, in Kerber. And, you know, what we've seen this year, um, I, I love this stat most of all from, from Pliskova in that over the past two weeks she's beaten, and I mentioned this before, pardon me, she's beaten Serena, she's beaten Muguruza, she's beaten Kerber in Cincinnati in the Open, and those are your three women's major champions this year. Um, you know, does Pliskova put her name on that list? Um, you know, I what I also wonder about Pliskova, perhaps, you know, do we, kind of what I'm saying about Djokovic, we're almost bound to see that great match from, are we bound to see the uh, you know a sense of the occasion a sense of nerves affect Pliskova or you know at I believe she's 24 or is she really seasoned seasoned enough not to be affected by that it's not like this is an ingenue that that is that is new to the upper reaches of the game she has been a contender for many many years and only now has really put it together in in a series of big um, breakthrough performances so you know, in that respect, you know, I don't, I don't think Carver can necessarily count on a lapse in Pliskova just because it's her first Grand Slam final. Um, but you know, I think, I think we, speaking to Kerber and what we've seen over this entire year, I've just been so impressed with her on as an all-surface threat, um, forehand, backhand. I'm impressed. You know, I think she will have to serve smartly. Um, to kind of try to to match Pliskova's ability to win points off that first strike, um, the women's you know the women's U.S. Open in my opinion has been much better than the men's, and I think that could continue in the final. Um, I'll go Kerber here. Uh, it, it does seem natural that kind of she caps off being number one with a U.S. Open title, and what a way it would be to end her really slam season. That's all for now. Tennis and Ten podcast. Thank you for listening. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 